Working Dog Radio. <laughs> Broadcasting the bite. We're super excited to have Ray Allen back on as a sponsor out in Colorado Springs. Be sure to use the discount code Working Dog Radio spelled out for your 10% off of your next order. RayAllen.com. It's not just for working dogs, guys. It's for all dogs and no sex offenders. True story. You guys have all heard us talk about it. Our favorite e-collars, dogsure.com. They got ball trainers. They got bark collars. They got the 1900S that we love. Ted, how do they get a discount? Go to dogtrue.com, just like it sounds. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. I suggest the ball popper or the 1900S because I use a ton of both of those. But yeah, dogtrue.com. Our good friend Cameron Ford, we've had him on the podcast. We've been on his podcast. He's over there in Vegas now, silverstatek9.com. He's brought his scientific approach to detection work over there to Vegas, silverstatek9.com. All kinds of uh, detection and supervisory schools and everything else like that. Ted, what do you think of that place? It's awesome. I mean, Cameron is one of the most well-versed guys when it comes to the scientific approach and the detection work when it comes to finding bombs or drugs. He's one of the only guys, I think, that ever ran a dog in three states as a law enforcement officer if i remember correctly but yeah great facility great people great training uh hit them up silverstatecanine.com if you guys have seen ted and i posting pictures of these bad ass poker chips we got we got them for van s canine torchlight canine hrd working dog radio we get those from our friends at combat bet challenge coins ted talk about where they can get them and little discount combatbetbet.com use the discount code spelled out working dog radio and try before you buy with the sampler pack be sure to go to combatbet.com forward slash wdr and then plug in the discount code wdr and they'll send you a free sample pack of the ceramic coins and of the metal ones so you can choose which one you want We're super excited to have Horizon Structures on board as a sponsor of the podcast. They're a family-owned business, and they have quality customer service, and their pricing is super, super simple. In fact, if you head over to Horizon Structures, you can see the full gamut of their pre-made kennels, and they go from mild to, I would live in one of these things, wild. So, uh, Eric, (laughs) where can you find them? Horizonstructures.com. It's like a buffet for kennels and everything on that. Horizonstructures.com, or call them toll-free, 888 447-4337. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, I am Ted Summers. With me, as always, is Eric Stambro, except this time we're in the same town. In fact, we're in the same fucking room. Yeah, in the basement. This is fucking great, man. Yeah, we love it. (laughs) Yes, we are uh, in Cincinnati. Actually, yeah, we're in Cincinnati. Um, We've been here for the last HRD of the year. Uh, day two was today. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati PD and some other neighboring departments, and uh, it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, I've been pretty pretty happy with those guys. Yeah, they've uh, they brought it, man. They've yeah, they got sure. good dogs, and the handlers are into it, and everybody seems to be enjoying themselves. And I don't know how many dogs Cincinnati PD has a bunch, um, yeah. but they've got a, quite a few here at this seminar, and then a bunch of neighboring agency, neighboring agencies that either train with them or have a little bit local training groups and. Um, they're all pretty similar. Nice dogs, real nice dogs. Um, we ran some of our main scenarios today. The you know the handler tricky ones and some environmental stuff and yeah. you know where everybody's able to see something they need to work on. So it was yeah. good. Yeah, and you know Donnie, uh, thanks to him for uh, getting this organized. Uh, they they have been since CPD has been fantastic hosts. So oh yeah, they pulled it out. Um, yeah, for sure. It was 
things were looking weird for this seminar and got a hold of Donnie. He was like, yep, yeah, we'll do it. Made some calls and just next thing we know, 24 teams or something yeah. like that. Day one was at the training academy and they had a training, uh, they had a new uh, class starting that day. So we were in one room and the next room over, everybody was getting yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, and, sir. And there were dudes make a hole uh, for <laughs> all day. It was the, an odd, even when you're going to the bathroom. So, <laughs> so uh, what are we doing today? So we wanted to do a uh, canine nutrition episode. Yeah. Um, we have a good a relationship and a friendship with our buddy Dave Dorson from Kinetic Dog Food. Um, Cincinnati PD and a lot of other bigger agencies and bigger groups swear by his food. We've met him. Um, he's helped with this event, sponsored some yep. folks, got us, fed us, which is good. Yeah. Fed us uh, there and fed us at his house tonight. Some legit uh, smoke stuff. Oh, yeah, it was good. Yes. Um, but we, uh, we wanted to bring him on and talk about canine nutrition. We're going to talk about um, myths and truths and things. And this, is, this food is canine nutrition. It's all for the working type dog, working breeds. Um, we're not really going to talking about pet type stuff tonight. But uh, um, So anyways, we wanted to bring him on. And uh, Dave, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you for coming much. on. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you for... Uh, Feeding us. Uh, <laughs> let us invade your house, man. Yeah, let us invade the house. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you, 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 uh, you didn't miss a bite, did you? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Uh, no. I, no, that's I, awesome. My inner fat kid is strong. I did not. So <laughs> that's um, right. give us a little bit of background on yourself and on um, I'm Kinetic. Uh, yeah. The dog food industry is kind of a, um, a murky, like, industry that is filled with a lot of um things that not necessarily are the best for um dogs pet owners dog cats whatever but so kind of give us a background on how you ended up sitting here talking to eric and i yeah yeah well it's a it is a great question and it uh you're bang on it's a very confusing industry and uh what we've seen um you know when you talk about uh when you talk about dogs in general um myself and another guy started the company john howard um we had met working for a big pet food company in in the midwest and um we had supposedly a performance food so it was designed for sporting dogs um uh hunting uh, upland bird that type thing um but one of the things that we realized was it was controlled by a big corporation and a lot of times what happens is the nutritional profile is not really controlled by nutritionists it's controlled more by bean counters and so what you what you see in the industry is a lot of dogs that are uh, exhibiting issues with loose stools or blown coat or they itch excessively or you can't put weight on them and when you're talking about a companion pet um, you know you can navigate around some of that but when you start talking about putting a dog under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure whether they're hunting or sled dogs, mushing, uh, search and rescue, um, you know, the nutritional requirements for that athlete, the canine athlete, are significantly different. And so you have to feed them like, a, like an athlete. Um, so, and that's where we kind of navigated away from the industry um, and the industry norms. So we sit back as a lot of handlers do and a lot of sports guys and kind of scratch our heads going, which way do we go with this? And, and 
what do I feed my dog? That I'm going to go out and hunt for four hours tomorrow and he's going to cover 18 to 25 miles in four hours. What do I feed him so that he can get up and do it the next day and the next day? So um, that's that's kind of what we looked at um, when we started kind of engineering the product. When did you start Kinetic? We, we actually had some of the formulations back in the late... Uh, 2007, 2008, which my partner um, was very instrumental in creating some performance foods. And when you when you talk about a performance food, what you have to start understanding is what kind of ingredients go into the profile that could negatively affect the dog. So cause that loose stool or cause the itching or uh, the, the, the hot spots in a dog. And really, what does that do when it's manifesting itself through the dog's entire system. So, um, but we we both left the company that we were working for for different reasons. And we got together about six months later um, at, uh, at a kind of a charity event and and we started drinking beer. And the more beer we drank, that's how, the, the smarter we got. That's how everything starts. <laughs> Didn't the Marine Corps start in yeah, a bar? Pretty much. Yeah, yes, yeah. It, yes, it did. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. By the time we ran out of bar, we were the smartest guys in, in <laughs> Iowa. And um, we decided, you know, the hell with it. We're going to start a company. And, and what we're going to do is make the, make the food profile um, for the dog and not for the, the bean counters or the stockholders in the company. And... And the goal was to make enough money to keep us in shotgun shells and beer. And we thought, hey, if we could do that, um, that would be a success. Yeah, and it's funny you, you talk about that um, with the, the bean counters and the big corporations. There's, you know, I've been in canine for, you know, going on 15 years. And I've seen a ton of change in um, bag size and ingredients changes on some supposedly high-performance food that has gone terribly wrong uh, you right. know and then people have had to backtrack and i remember one particular company a very large company that that everybody was doing 40 or 50 pound bags and they decided you know what no we are going to start the 30 pound same price and you're just gonna have to suck it right, right. and that changed yeah. the entire industry though yeah. well and that's what you, what you have to understand is the key players that are in the industry the majority of the food lines that are out there or the brands if you will are controlled by four major corporations so they'll hold 20 different labels um, and that's controlled by these bean counters so what happens is a company might have a really good profile and they sell to one of these big corporations and the first thing that they have to do is look at how do we get our ROI our return on investment we paid $1.5 billion for this company. How are we going to claw that money back to the shareholders? So they start looking at things, and some of the easy things to look at are ingredient profile. So they got huge marketing firms that understand what the consumers are looking for. And you guys might not know this, and the people that are listening might not know this, but dogs are not human. No, and I, <laughs> that, that comes as a the dogs I saw today weren't human. That comes right. as a huge surprise to a lot of people. Right, by the way. right. But what happens is these corporations try to feed these dogs like they're human. Right. So they look at it and say, you know, sweet potatoes are really popular. So why don't we put sweet potatoes in the profile? And so you see a company bought through an acquisition. The first thing they do is look at the ingredient profile and say, you know what? We need to cheapen or take this formula out and put kale or put seaweed, or put blueberries. 
And the reality is, is when you start doing that with a companion pet, it's a whole nother industry. It's a pocket industry where the they, people are going, my dog's itching like crazy. And so they'll go to the vet and the vet puts them on some kind of prescription diet or some prescription like a Abiquil or something like that. Um, the reality is, is a lot of these issues with hot spots and loose stools and itching and low drive or you can't keep weight on the dog is directly proportionate to what you're feeding that dog. So, um, and so when you look at it, um, you know, we have expectations that these dogs are going to go out and perform at a high level, but we're feeding them McDonald's every day. Yeah. You know, you make a good point that people look at it kind of like, uh, like marketing people do, but also a lot of it, even, even non pet people like working dog people, like people listening to this, look at it. So from, a human perspective, the USDA recommends that we as males eat like 2000 calories a day and we have portion sizes split up into this, that, and the other. And it's such a problem with obesity and, or just general malnutrition in the United States that they have placards that they give to elementary school students. Right. Um, the average American can't read a nutritional label. Right. Right. It's a little disconcerting to assume that the average American would then be able to read a nutrition nutrition label for a dog right. or a cat. Um, so I let my dogs just do that. They read it. They, uh, they're, they're like, yes, yes, no. No. <laughs> yes, no. So, and I think that's kind of a portion, a lot of it too, because we talk a lot as humans about uh, portion size, like one right. way that we control our weight is portion size. And I think one of well, I do know this for a fact that a lot of the big misconceptions in uh, the working dog industry is that portion sizes are um, kind of universal. So if you like feed this food, you feed this much, like this dog is this weight. Right. He's 80 pounds. So he gets three and a half for whatever cups a day. Right. And you can vary the caloric content dramatically. And I'm not even talking about what's in it. I mean, if they fill it with sawdust and pocket lint, I mean, you're eating four and a half cups of sawdust and pocket lint, but it, it's, you know, one of those things where the when we look at it at the kennel, I look at um, how calorie dense is that food and how much of that am I going to have to feed? Well, it's that's a great point. And that's where some of the confusion starts. So when right. you when you see an industry that the big thing right now is meets the number one ingredient, you see it everywhere. You can't walk down the grocery store aisle uh, without companies calling out salmon's the number one ingredient or meat's the number one ingredient and there there are a lot of games that we can play as a manufacturer on the public okay and that's one of the easiest so you go down and you look at the number one ingredient on the profile and it says chicken and you go that's great what you have to know is that the top basically the top five ingredients on that bag make up about 85 percent of what's in that food so but one of the games is let's say chicken. Okay, chicken's your number one ingredient, whole chicken. Well, I get the benefit as a manufacturer of the pre-cooked weight. So if I take a thousand pounds of chicken and I put it into a vat and I cook it down into a kibble, I only get about 250 pounds of protein. But I get to tell you as a consumer, the number one ingredient is chicken. So, but the reality is, is let's just take a, a profile. So number one ingredient is chicken. Number two is corn gluten meal. Number three is brewer rice. Number four is animal fat. And number five is poultry byproduct meal. So what we did when we looked at it was we said, look, we, we're not going to play these games. 
So the number one, so what we did was decided to put meal in. So we use a chicken meal as our number one ingredient. Okay. So if I use in that same example, take a thousand pounds of chicken meal and I put it into the vat and cook it down into a kibble, I get 960 pounds of protein. So the number one ingredient stays the number one ingredient. So where that comes into play is I'll have, I'll be out working like we were today with handlers and I'll see dogs performing at different levels or dogs gassed at the end of a, a 30 minute exercise. And I could tell by the coat, by looking at it, the coat is dull. There's a lot of coat dander, what we call coat dander, but it's a lot of flaking. It looks oh, like yeah. they have I've seen a lot, yeah. dander. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and I know that there's a lot of grains that are in that food. Um, so the one thing that you want to look at, you want your protein sources and your fat sources to be clean in the top five, and you want them to be identifiable. And you go, well, what, what does that mean? What's right. identifiable? So on that example I gave you where there's chicken, corn, gluten, meal, brewer rice, animal fat, and poultry byproduct, okay, meal, poultry byproduct meal. Well, I got a meal in my top five, but what is the poultry? Okay, so I'll have people come up and say, my dog's allergic to chicken. And I go, what do you feed? And they'll tell me the brand. And I look at it and I go, well, this poultry could be turkey in the fall because that's what we're processing a lot of in the United States. Mm -hmm. It could be Cornish game hen in the spring. It could be chicken in the summertime. Um, Animal fat, the same way. You want an identifiable fat source in your top five ingredients. Animal fat could be any animal. So a lot of companies will buy on the open market fat rendering. So it could be bovine, it could be cattle, it could be a number of things, mm-hmm. poultry. So you, there's some games that are played in the ingredient profile when you're, when you're looking at that. And they do manifest themselves in, in issues with the dogs. So, so if I'm looking at it as a cynic and I see poultry byproduct. That sounds like beaks and buttholes. Yeah. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, you know, that's that's a good point. In the in the in the well, it's not beaks and butt. Well, it, it might be some beaks. I don't know about the buttholes. I don't, I don't know how big the buttholes are on a chicken, but um, but no. In reality, sure. what happened was uh, about this big. <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, that, that's a visual. Yeah. Um, so, but. No, the the byproduct meal is a lot of things. It's a cartilage. There is some beaks and feet in there. That's a heads. It's all the entrails. And so, what I want you to think about when you think about feeding uh, a performance dog is what do they really need? And when you look at a coyote, let's say a, you know we go out deer hunt tonight. We we take down a doe, but we can't we can't track it. It's late, and we come back tomorrow to pick up the trail. A lot of times you'll come up on that, that, that deer and maybe the entrails or the, the ass is eaten out of it, mm. okay? Because what that coyote is doing is going for all the nutrients. So when you look at byproduct meal, what you're talking about is a lot of the nutrient-dense um, protein that is in that animal. So we actually tried our formulations with just chicken meal and chicken byproduct meal. So we tried them separate of each other. When we combined them, what we saw was a significant increase in the absorption rate. And we think it was because of all the enzymes and nutrients that are in the byproduct meal. Yeah. And the uh, entrails, probably a lot exactly. of the organs and things like that. Exactly. So, um, what, uh, so after that top five, what, 
What else is the rest? Well, that's that's you get into some games. So if you looked at it and you said, hey, the top five, now we know that we want meal-based um, as our protein source. We want an identifiable fat-based source, so a chicken fat, for example. Um, you know, dogs, dogs don't eat fruit and vegetables, okay? So now they do absorb carbohydrates and they do absorb... Uh, plant-based material when they're eating the entrails out of a deer, for example, they're mm-hmm. getting carbohydrates and that type of thing. So, um, but one of the other games that we can really play, which is significant. And so when John and I sat down and said, we're just going to make the best food we can and wherever the price falls is where it falls. One of the areas that you can save a lot of money in dog food uh, is in the vitamin trace mineral package. So when you're looking at your package, for example, and you're looking at your nutrient profile, if you see the word copper sulfate or copper sulfide, what I can tell you is about 85% of that mineral is ending up in the stool on the ground. It's not being absorbed, absorbed into the dog. So when we looked at our nutrient profile, what we did was we worked with our, our distribution partners, Hubbard Feed and Ridley, uh, along with Alltech, the parent company, and we said, we're going to put the best mineral package together that's on the market. And as we sit here today, I can tell you there's not another food that has a stronger uh, vitamin trace mineral package than we do. Um, we only use chelated or organic trace minerals, which means they're being absorbed in to the dog a lot, a lot quicker and a lot higher rate than a sulfate. So when you look at your package, you know, you're looking for the meal base. You want to stay away from ingredients like oatmeal, barley, oats. Those are horrible for working and sporting dogs, corn, soy, because what they do is they create that loose stool issue that you see. So when you put those dogs under a lot of stress, if we're out hunting tomorrow and we're running bird dogs, you don't want that dog, you know, in the field with loose stools trying to chase birds for four or five hours. Okay, because the first thing that happens when you get into a dehydra or the, the loose stool issue is dehydration, which can be very severe to a dog and very serious. Yeah, and quick. And quick. Yeah. Doesn't take long. So one of the big uh, arguments of people, if you, if you just sat online and, and talked to everyone's, you know, there's a million experts out there, is some of the stuff about like rice and legumes and all this other things that some people have changed Aside and added from protein right right yeah. right changed and added and everything and talk a little bit about the truths of that like what is good and bad and and what should people look for you kind of well, hit it on already like corn and soy yeah, yeah. right yeah. some right. of that for sure well when you when you talk about some of the things so the the important thing to understand is we we talk about the controls and the impacts on the industry there's 86 million dogs in the united states and when I do my nutritional classes and, you know, a lot of, I, I, give a, I give a lot of swag out. So there's going to be guys cheating now because they're going to hear because that's one of the questions for some swag. But there's 86 million dogs in the United States. There's only about 500,000 that fall into the working or sporting dog category. And so when you stop and really think about what that ratio is, you got 80, 86 million dogs, but only 500,000 are working and sporting dogs. Really, when you talk about these big companies, and there's some major companies, I mean, we're talking billion-dollar companies that hold the, the, the main brands, if you will, 
a lot of that is controlled. A lot of the ingredient profile is controlled by consumer marketing. Now, I told you guys a few minutes ago, I said, hey, dogs aren't human. But one of the things that's really kind of neat, and there was a report that was done about four years ago that showed the relationship between human beings Googling um, dairy and um, oh, I saw yeah, carb-free diets, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it shows like in 2002, all the searches for gluten-free diets and carb-free diets and dairy-free diets for humans. And what was really kind of unique is as this thing rifles up, it looks like a, just a, a, a hockey stick. It's just growing exponentially. Over the same time frame, Google searches started tracking uh, companion pet diets, okay? And you start seeing the same thing where people started coming out and going, my dog needs a grain-free diet. And you've, we've all seen this in the industry. I get asked this all the time. Hey, what about this cardiomyopathy with grain-free diets? And one of the things that happened was the grain-free diet was not really based for animals, wasn't based on any sound nutritional research that was done. It was based on a marketing and consumer demand. So people were going, hey, I'm not eating grain anymore, so I don't want my dog to eat grain I've actually seen diets that are vegan diets for dogs, which, you know, is almost kind of crazy. But uh, Yeah, I saw that. I saw something about that, and I'm sure it originated on one of the coasts. Um, which, <laughs> which, which, <laughs> one of the coasts no, we're near where we're at. Yeah, <laughs> no, a, a no. different coast. No, we're in flyover country no, here, man. If no. it flies, it dies. My dog eats vegans. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> he likes to eat meat. I don't know. I mean, and vegan children too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Car, I don't. My dog eats vegans and their children. I don't own pit bull. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the the companies, uh, especially the the larger corporation companies, you know, the, the big the big ones. What is it? Is it just some sort of money? Why are they all constantly? fiddle fucking with the ingredients and yeah. changing things is it just trying different things what what's the reason well they, you know the the thing is 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 we do have people that look at john and i and go you guys are geniuses how do you pull this off and the reality is is every single ingredient in our profile all the big companies know about i mean it's we're not we're not rocket scientists over here we're a couple of beer drinking bird shooting guys uh that like running dogs and we know what a good looking dog looks like so but the reality is, is, you know, a, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, companies chase trends mm -hmm. and we are, whether we like it or not, we're humanizing our dogs. So, um, you know, you see dog carriages now, you see people that are got doggy car seats. I mean, it's it, like, look at, just look around your city and look at the explosion in doggy daycares. I mean, if you I own know, one, I know it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. I take that back. I, no, 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 that's that was, good. That was bad. But <laughs> no, no, but, but people are, people are checking their pets in and if, if, do you have the ones with the couch in there and the TV? No, and it's an no, because I had a, I had a couch, you try I had a couch and they pissed on it and no, they well, <laughs> still in there peed all over it. There you um, go. But there you go. yeah. And, and you're right. Anthropomorphizing and putting those human emotions on the dogs and trying to do that. Um, definitely, um, uh, is a huge problem. And, and I see it in, now that I got really deep into training pet dogs as well, I see a lot of the behavioral problems in some of the working dogs. And a lot of it's because of the way the handler's doing it. And diet is one of the 
biggest things they do is, um, you know, you see a ton of overweight dogs. Right, right. And you'll have a handler that has two or three, like he's on maybe on a second or third dog, and all of them have been overweight. And the handler may not even be so much. Right. But I don't know if if they feel bad or they feel like they're grandmothers. Here, just they need more. You need to eat more. You're a growing boy. You need to eat more. Right. Uh, And then when I hear that the handlers are are giving their dogs six cups of food a day, five, you know, five, six, seven cups of food a day, I'm like, holy crap. I had had a handler tell me he's feeding 10 cups of food a day plus like, Three pounds of raw meat every day. And so yeah. some of that does have a lot, and this goes back to anthropomorphism thing, where we as Americans view our body image as a reflection of a healthy body image for dogs. So when Eric and I import dogs, I mean, from Holland or from wherever, right? Like they show up and they're, by American standards, they're thin. They get, and you know, when they're working, I can see their ribs and, you know, I, and, you know, that's how we keep them at the kennel too. Eric does the same thing. And, um, you know, our dogs are not overweight. They're kept at a working weight. And, you know, we're really diligent about how many calories go into the dog, how much they're working in the wintertime. We up it because they're cold. They stay outside in the summertime. They don't get as much because they're not quite as active because it's hot as shit. And so anyway, but, you know, the United States has such a morphed image on body image with humans that it translates over. And I can't tell you the number of times we get a dog in. And I'll pull it, Alicia will pull it out at the airport in Houston and people will be like, oh my God, that dog needs to eat. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, he looks fine. Yeah, maybe man. a cup or two, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, a little no, bit. no, he's, yeah. he's fine. I mean, like, I mean, he's not like dying. I mean, he's in, they're at a healthy weight. So, um, kind of back to what we were talking about with the people talking about like the pet care or I mean like the, the vet care versus or the pet care with the pets right? and moving forward. We have, you know, Eric and I have a scenario where one of the key takeaway points of that is your dog does not love you. And for handler, for police canine handlers listening to this, I'm sorry. He, he loves you because you're feeding him right? because he's your, you're his pack dude, but he's not working because of that. Right. And we have an entire scenario that shows that and why we ran it today and everybody was surprised with some of the other stuff that happened at who, but, um, the dogs don't need human stuff. They don't need human food. They don't need human portions. They don't need human, they need human interaction, but they don't need human like things. Right. And feeding them human and treating them like people are, is causing all kinds of fun issues and like eric said you see handlers dogs that are overweight and the handlers even realize dogs are overweight well i we, we i tell them well, <laughs> well you know, i mean yeah if, if 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 you look at your bag of dog food and if it's got a picture of a, a turkey and some carrots and some peas sitting on the front of it you're probably if you're doing a working dog i would tell you or a sporting dog you're probably going to want to look at that and eric brought up a really good point because one of the things that you want to look at, if you're feeding five, six, seven cups of food a day or eight cups, That's what you need to do is reach out to Dave at kineticdogfood.com. <laughs> and, and I guarantee we can cut that feeding by 20 to 30 percent. OK, because there's not a dog out there that should be eating seven cups of food a day. That's a Our, lot. Oh, it's a lot. And, and we see it all the time. We've worked with Border Patrol and, and some of the, you know, some of the government agencies around where guys were feeding 10 cups of food a day. They were augmenting and, to- and, and talk coding with different things. What, what's really kind of cool, when we sat down, we really started thinking about our food. One of the things that we wanted in the hunting world, one of the things that you have is seasons, right? So we go into the, we come out of the wintertime 
and we start slowing down the conditioning of our dogs. It's the end of the hunting season. So one of the things that's neat about kinetic performance dog food is we've got four different octane levels. Mm -hmm. Everything's the same in the nutritional profile. The only thing that changes is a protein fat ratio. So I can have a dog in a 26% protein, 16 fat, and I could feed that this morning and I could feed them a 32% protein tonight and not have any loose stool or intestinal upset. We did that for the hunting industry. What we didn't realize was when we started working with some special force, special ops teams, where they could be stateside or you know not on a mission, and so they could have their dogs on a maintenance diet, and two days later be in theater with that dog and take them from a 26% protein to a 32 overnight and not have any loose stool. So when you talk about it, you know, one of the, I, and I work with a lot of those guys, but, you know, they said, hey, look, if, if I don't have to carry uh, 10 or 12 pounds of dog food with me on a mission, oh, yeah. and I sure. can cut down to six, that means I can put on, you know, four more hand grenades or something like that. So when you really start thinking about the amount that you're feeding, um, our food is caloric dense, there's no filler in there. And every single ingredient in that profile in kinetic performance dog food is there for a reason. Okay. So you might look at it and say, okay, Dave, I'm going to take you up on this. What do you got sunflower oil in there for? And one of the things that was done back in the eighties by Auburn university and backed up, I believe it was by Alabama, um, university was the improvement in the scent capability of dogs when they had certain oils integrated. So if you don't have a sunflower oil in your food, I would highly, in your tracking with your dog or you're doing search and rescue or, or drug, you probably want to look at doing some type of topping with some oil. So like a sunflower. So before we go to, to break, I, one question. If, so if you're advising guys from uh, all over the United States about what food would be best for their working dog, if you do you do it is it different from the dog that lives in south florida and the dog that lives in minnesota yeah you know that's a that's a great question we've got a couple really big kennels that we work well we got a number of kennels a couple really big ones so we have a kennel um, von lick kennels mm -hmm. over in uh, denver indiana so in the winter time they'll feed the 32 percent protein 24 percent fat um now they deal with a lot of kennel stress over there so there's yeah. some conditions that you guys have to look at when you start talking about feeding our food. So warmer clients, we tend to back off on the protein fat ratio. So down in Florida, for example, and we, we, we were feeding a lot of dogs or we are feeding a lot of dogs in Hawaii. And so we started out because we were feeding mouths all over the country, all over the, 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 the 48 uh, mainland, we were feeding the 30-20 formula to mouths. And so we'd go to Hawaii and we're like, hey, you guys need a 30-20. And we started feeding 30-20 and this, the, the stools were a little soft. Um, and we're like, man, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. So we got 26 over there um, and everything tightened up. But, you know, so if you have an open air kennel, um, you know, if the dogs under, are under a lot of stress, you can back off, you know, to the lower ones. So, yeah, there are some, some uh, um, environmental factors that yeah. go into the food okay. all right we're gonna go ahead and take a break and when we come back we'll talk some um some truths rip and uh maybe even debunk a couple of of popular myths yeah
So probably my favorite product, one that actually really delivers what they say has been quick turn by vet care. We use it on uh, all kinds of dogs in our kennels. It's, it's fast acting wound care for all species of animals. You can use it on yourself. Dad and I both have done it. We got cut. We got a lot of people doing it. We get a lot of testimonials on our social media from people showing pictures of what they've done with their dog. It's Quick Derm by Vet Care. Ted, talk about discount codes and where to find it. Yeah, if you go to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, you get 10% off your first order. And there's rumors that she upgrades the sizes too if you use that. So that may happen. It may not. You never know. But yeah, it, it keeps small things from becoming big things. Uh, so get some and toss it in your bag. It's t- temperature stable, so you don't have to worry about it cooking or freezing up in the patrol car. But yeah, vetcare. US. We love our partners down in Florida at Southern Coast Canine. We love Bill and Peggy Heiser. And of course, Danny Cornier, who's their right-hand man, is one of our favorite people as well. They do a fantastic job of selecting green dogs and training them up and getting patrols, handlers through patrol schools. And they also have a list of decoy schools and a full gamut of detection seminars as well. Eric, where can you find them? SouthernCoastCanine.com. That's the letter K, the number nine.com. Give them a call at 877-903-903 dogs. I can tell you this, every seminar that we've been at where there's been Southern Coast Canine Dogs, they've all been solid. Every single one of them, never have to worry about it. We get right to work. SouthernCoastCanine.com. I've been dying to get this company on as as a sponsor for the podcast, Horizon Structures. You go to their website and check it out. They have got some of the neatest things you can build for a kennel. Why do all the work yourself? Have somebody else do it. They will set it up at your location delivered anywhere in the continental U.S. Uh, Ted, talk about the website real quick. Yeah, it's horizonstructures.com. And if you go over and check it out, you can see the list of choices, which is almost mind boggling for everything from the outside to the inside. And you can go from completely mild and unfinished on the inside to completely decked out like a surgical suite with stainless steel, everything and heated floors and anything you can think of in between. And the big thing that you mentioned is they deliver anywhere in the United States and they set it up. So when it's set up, when they drop it off, you can put dogs in it immediately that day. And uh, yeah, saves a ton of time, but hit them up. Horizonstructures.com. 888-447-4337. They have an on-staff engineer that walks you through the entire process from start to finish, which is excellent customer service, which makes it much, much easier to get back to what you do well, which is training dogs. Yep, we just finished up the uh, hits uh, interviews and got them posted up from Chicago. Uh, next year, we're going to be doing the same thing, except Eric and I are also going to be instructing and bringing our unique brand of scenario-based training to the masses there, and it will be the masses in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to be the 18th through the 21st of 2020. Uh, hits K9, letter K number nine dot net is where you're going to go find all the information to get signed up. So, Eric, what did you think? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, Hits is the biggest and the best. They have the most handlers that come there. So, like, if you're a company that's wanting to be a vendor, you will not reach any more people in this business than it hits. 1,200 people. A lot of people like me have never really been to Scottsdale and Phoenix. I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be in August, but they got air conditioning like crazy. Yeah, 1,200 handlers and 100-ish vendors. Yeah, they make it. They don't oversell the vendor thing, too. The ratio is very appropriate. So if you're a vendor and you're looking, get on to hitsk9.net or call Jeff Baird at 863-529-5113. Hits, the letter K, the number 9, dot net.
Uh, it's no secret that Eric and I use a lot of equipment around the kennels at Van S and at Torchlight. Uh, so for e-collars and ball popping stuff, I use Dogtra. I use the 1900S hands-free and their ball trainer, which is a popper and a dropper. I think I've got like six of those things now, and they're all on one remote. So I hide them in our cars and on our buses, and I hide them in places inside the detection building. So we have like six stations that we run the dogs on. Super, super clean way of doing it, and uh, I modify mine with magnets so I can stick them anywhere. Uh, my handlers like the 1900S because they're they're putting the button on their plate carrier so they don't have to mess with a uh, handheld remote and manipulate that at the same time. But uh, Eric, where do you get this stuff? Go to dogtrut.com. Don't forget to use your discount code as WDR10. That is all caps, WDR10. 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. Take a look at that new 3500X. It's their new uh, two-dog system for trainers. I'm telling you, it's the best two-dog system I've ever seen out there. Dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200. Some of our favorite people are, are out there in North Carolina, Highland Canine Training. Full gamut services, everything from green dogs, finished detection dogs, finished patrol dogs, all the way up to seminars, whatever you need there, full service facility. You can hit them up at Tactical police canine training.com yep we love those folks down there their website tactical police canine training.com is so easy to navigate around and see everything that they have they have uh, teams from all over the world that come there to train there. tactical police canine training.com challenge coins seem to be like currency in the canine industry everybody has them and everybody trades them and everybody collects them so the guys over at combat bet make some really, really nice metal ones, and they make some really, really nice poker chip ones. Um, if you've ever seen Eric and I in person, you've gotten some of these, and I've got some for Torchlight. He has some for Van S. We have them for Working Dog Radio and HRD also. Uh, they do a great job, and they're super high quality, and the print on them is phenomenal. In fact, if you want, you can contact them. They'll send you sample packs so you can see exactly what it is, and they'll help you with all the artwork too. Eric, where do you get them? We get them at combatbet.com. That's combatbet.com. They have a discount code for us. It's Working Dog Radio, all spelled out in capitals, Working Dog Radio. And if we see you in person, you better have one in your pocket because I'm going to drop one on you and you're going to owe me a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love our partnership with RayAllen.com. They've been doing business, ethical business, RayAllen.com. They've got everything you need to know for uh, all dogs, not just, not just working dogs. You guys that are training pets and training Police dogs or, or have pets, check them out, rayallen.com. Ted, there's a way for them to get a discount, correct? Yep. You go over there and you use the discount code Working Dog Radio for 10% off of your next order. They've got the Tricos gear, they've got vet care stuff, they've got some of the Working Dog dry goods muzzles and their own muzzles. They have that new rad harness that they just came out with, the Nomad, that everybody seems to be loving. Um, some of my guys are using it right now, one of the prototypes, and he's already had some, uh, some good work in it. So, rayallen.com. Use the discount code Working Dog Radio for ten percent off your next order. All right, we are back uh, talking about dog food and myths, uh, flat out lies, and hoping to debunk some of the things and talking about vegan dogs. Um, so <laughs> fake, <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. We're back with the guys from Kinetic. That's uh, a vegan dog in the corner back here. It's yeah, a, that's what that looks a, like. It's a giant. Eric's, Eric's pointing at a big wooden giraffe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so right before we left, you know, you talked about sunflower oil, oil being um, good for detection. When we interviewed Janice Baker, uh, I remember we talked about metronidazole causing a problem with... Um, with, yeah, the reverse of it. Yeah, it, it actually, you know, if you give your dog metronidazole, which they get from eating shitty food or drinking out of puddles... Um, 
then you can cure up diarrhea with metronidazole, but their detection skills go south like real quick for a couple of days. So it stands to reason that additives can go both ways, which it's interesting that I didn't know that. I mean, sunflower oil definitely heightens or it appears to heighten uh, like detection skills. Yeah. So I had two dogs in my kennel recently um, on, I had four dogs and on metronidazole, two of them acted like they, they, they hunted, but act like there was nothing going in. <laughs> and, and they lost it. So I was like, I got you. We're going to have to do something else. Um, some more other sort of anti-diarrhea supplement. Um, so anyways, we're here with our buddy Dave Dorson from Kinetic Performance Foods. Um, we're talking um, what's in the bags, man. Basically, yeah, yeah. a lot of that stuff. We are talking about beaks, buttholes <laughs> earlier. <laughs> One of my favorite things. Um, so let's, let's bang out a couple myths. Or, or truths, actually. Actually, we'll do truths. So we get dogs um, that uh, we were talking earlier about itching, uh, shedding, you know, the way the coat is, right. and the loose stool. What, what do you, in, in this food specifically, you think would cause some of those things? Well, it, that's, it's a great question, and it could be a number of things. So one of the, one of the, um, one of the attributes that we found is a lot of plant-based materials are causing some of these issues. So um, when we talk about performance dogs and feeding a working or performance dog, what you really want to do is focus on that nutritional profile. So you want to look for ingredients like, like a soy, like a corn, um, wheat, barley, oats. If you start seeing that showing up in the profile, what you really want to do is take a good look at the dog's coat. One of the things that we will notice is that coat dander that we were talking about mm. where you start seeing a lot of flaking, the dog itches excessively. Um, so those are some of the ingredients that you want to start looking really past is, you know, we're, we're all mammals. So how do you process corn? You know, I'm from the Midwest. Oh, and, we know. You know, in August, we do these big corn roasts. You know, I'll get together, drink a bunch of beer, eat a bunch of corn. and the next, See it later. The, yeah, the next day you wake up and you're like, God, I know I chewed that stuff up. But why is there like everything, <laughs> corn cobs in there and I got to stop drinking so much. But uh, but anyway, the reality is, is when the, when the dogs start to break down that, um, because the intestinal tract is so short in a dog, that they don't have the time to really ex extract the, the, all of the nutrients out of some of those. So people will sit there and say, well, you know, I've been feeding this food for 60 years and, you know, it's, it's a staple. My, my grandpa fed it, my dad fed it, and, you know, my brothers feed it, I feed it. And the reality is, is that's true, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. The corn that we were, we were eating in the 70s and 80s is not the same corn that is being used in our diets today. And if you think about corn, we, we now do ethanol production. We got alcohol production. That corn that is being stripped to the nth degree. So the only thing that's left is basically a, a putty um, with very little nutritional. And so when you put that into a dog, the, the dog, where they start to manifest at first, you'll see it in stools. So when you see a dog that has large volumes of stools and they're sloppy, look like cow patties, there's something wrong with the food, okay? When you start seeing coat where the coat's shedding or it's real stiff and brittle, I mean, I have guys say, well, I'm putting coconut oil on my dog's coat. Well, if you're putting coconut oil on the, on the, on the outside of your dog to try to loosen their, smooth his coat down, 
there's a problem with diet. And usually that's where we see it, is in some of the grains that are in there that are complexed, uh, the carbohydrates. So um, one of the things, and when we were talking about the, the differences in the ingredients and some of the gains, one of the things that I don't have to tell you as a manufacturer is let's say when, when I say 30% protein, 20 fat, okay, most of the guys listening are probably feeding a 30% protein, 20 fat diet because they're feeding some performance dogs, right. athletes. I don't have to delineate what percentage of that 30% of protein is plant-based and what percentage is animal-based. Does it make sense? So if I say that I get a 30% protein, I don't have to tell you as a consumer that 60% of the 30% is animal-based and 40% of the 30% is plant-based. Well, your dog does not absorb and process plant protein the same rate that it does animal. So one of the things that you want to do when you start looking at it, some of those key ingredients that we talked about, but you also want to try to do a deep dive and find out what percentage contribution of the protein comes from animal-based and what percentage in your food is coming from plant-based. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the, um, how, do, how does somebody do that? How do they find well, a out? Well, a lot of times you can, you, you're going to have to do some research. I mean, with us, you can call us. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that there's nobody in the industry that has a higher one. Our 26% protein, 16 fat has 90, 92% of the protein comes from animal. Okay. Um, Damn. So <laughs> now there is one that just came out uh, and it was promoted on Chewy.com. It's a 20 pound bag. They got a 92% protein. It's $100 for 20 pounds. God damn. So you can get it. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to pay for it. Those chicken right. butts aren't cheap. Yeah, right. Those chicken butts, man. They got to they carve them out. You got to pay a guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, almost, that's almost like How would you like to have that dress? 100 bucks for a 20-pound bag. I'll just go to the, bucks for a I'll just go to the grocery bag. store and get him raw meat. Yeah. Speaking of which. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, real quick, before we move on to that subject. Um hot spots yeah and things like that out allergic reactions uh we see it there's a dog in my my old training group that has to get shots every year yeah and it's a thing and it's always a thing with this dog now they've been eating the same food his entire career um and and i think the prevailing diagnoses when i see this is always oh they're, they're allergic to grass or something you know some outside stimulant but um, is it your research that that's probably not true, that it's mostly food-based that caused the, uh, the allergies uh, we're, consistent? We're, yeah, we're finding a lot of it is food-based. And, and what, unfortunately, what's happening is you have a lot of, you, you go into the vet hoping to find some answers, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what's going on is the vets don't really know. They get, they get you know, marginal nutritional training. Um, it's influenced yeah. heavily by some of the big corporations out there that are, you know, paying for the paying for the the schools that they study at and that type of thing. So, but I, I would tell you that a lot of it, if you're having issues like that with your with your dog, I would tell you to you know send us an email, reach out to us. One of the things that we'll do, and we get this all the time, people go, well, okay, what should I feed? And I'm not going to promote another food on the right. on the <laughs> internet, but what I or on this program, I mean. But uh, what I would do is, if you want to, you know, 
reach out to us and say, hey, we're feeding this. Here's a profile. We'll tell you what we like in it. We'll tell you what we don't like. And uh, uh, that's one way to find out. There's dogfoodadvisor.com, um, which is kind of a cool resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I like about Dog Food Advisor is um, uh, they seem they seem pretty cut and dry with their assessments. Um, uh, we got a four and a half star. They didn't give us five stars because we got bee pulp in our food. Uh, and, you know, he has some feelings about bee pulp, but he never called us mm-hmm. to say, hey, why do you guys so, got bee pulp? who is food? that guy? You know, I, I don't I don't even know who he is, to be honest with you. I mean... It's not Dwight Schrute. You'd have got to... You got to for beat pulp, you would have got a five star for sure. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you? What can Beats, you do? Beats, bears, and battle What scars? can you do? That's <laughs> right. But yeah, if you're having if you're having that kind of problem with your uh, with your dogs, you know, reach out to us. You can send us an email. You can check us out on the web or whatever. So, all right. So let's um, get into the raw food. Yeah, um, raw food diet is uh, really popular. Yeah, um, either people are actually feeding raw food or process i think processed freeze-dried raw food sure um i'll tell you my experience with it i um i had a dog in my kennel and i was feeding him a shit ton of food like we were talking earlier and he was just blowing it out nonstop. he couldn't he was skinny could not gain weight and um i had gone out out west to a buddy of mine's kennel and all of his dogs were studs all of them and I'm like, what do you feed? He goes, I feed two cups of dry food and a raw chicken quarter every day and maybe an egg every once in a while. And bone and all, raw chicken quarter. So I went back and I said, I'll try it. And I had great success with it. Yeah. Uh, a lot better stool. A lot of the problems he put on weight. The handler still feeds that pretty much that same diet. He looks really good. Um, but my vet hates it. Hates the fact that I do it. And it's mostly because of the chicken part and the um, the salmonella possibility. Sure. And I tell people all the time, they ask me about it. And I'm like, I, every single time after they're done eating, I sanitize their bowls and then I take them out of the kennels and then I sanitize with water bleach and simple green, the floors and everything where the chicken, everything. But if you miss one little d- drop of chicken goose or chicken guts or whatever, little juice, and the next day they lick it, you, you'll you have shit in your kennel for days. Right. So that is that is the downside. Um, but I am still giving the dry food in there um, for a lot of reasons, one of which is when they go to their handler, they're not going to feed them raw food. Right. They're going to feed them uh, a dry food. But f- where do you find, where does your research show for the people who are feeding just straight up raw, no matter what, it's just raw. Yeah, you know, we get we get asked this question a lot. How, how does raw compare to some of the kibbles that are out there and, you know, the other foods? Um, raw, raw is, overall, is a good diet. It's, a, it's an absolute pain in the ass, okay? Yes. And, uh-huh. um, you <laughs> yes. know, dogs can handle salmonella. Humans can't. So one of the things that you look at with a raw diet is what you just talked about, where you... It's not just throwing a piece of chicken on the ground and letting the dog chew it up. It's you're going to have to clean that. You're going to have to disinfect it. If you have children at home or a family, and you're feeding a raw diet, and the dog drags that chicken, you know I've got nine grandkids that are invariably here all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, but if they get tangled up with that, so it is a pain. In, it's what we call a pita diet. It's a pain in the ass. Um, 
and then and then there's the the piece where you start getting into it and you start going wait a minute how 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 are special force special ops guys gonna take raw into the theater how are police yeah. gonna deal with raw you know how do hunters deal with it so if the three of us are gonna go hunting for three days i've got to pack a freezer full of meat and mm-hmm. you know that type of thing so it's it's if it's done right and you take the care that's needed it's a good diet um but the reality is, is most of us don't have time to work out every day. So, yeah. so well, most people don't have, don't pay that much attention to their diet, much less their dog. Right. So, I mean, that, and, and it, that requires an, a level of planning that only like meal preppers that do CrossFit can like, yeah. Can, yeah. can appreciate. I mean, yeah. it's so, a, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. When you say people that do it right, how are they doing it wrong? Well, when when I say they're doing it right, not, I mean, it's, say it's, people it's, do it right is decent, but I guarantee most aren't. Well, when they're doing it's, it wrong, it's, what, what is it? Well, it's what I talk about from the from the prep side of it. Yeah. So it's not, you know, throwing a piece of chicken down. Uh, you know, that's pretty simplistic. It's are you cleaning, or sterilizing the dishes? Are you sterilizing the environment that it's in? That type of thing. Um, you know, you're probably going to want to look at augmenting a little bit with, with some of the other nutrients that the yeah. dog might not be getting in the chicken. So there are some carbohydrate needs that the dog has. Um, you know, uh, so I would, I, would, I would recommend doing the research. There's a lot of it on the Internet as far as what's good and what isn't. So One of the things I always had a problem with was portion size and varying from meat to meat. And because, you know, it's part of the time of the year because in Oklahoma, people kill shit. So we right. would have access to game sometimes and then worrying about where that came from. And if it had something funky was another process all in and of itself. But then, you know, other times of the year it would be birds and other times of the year it would be beef and the portion sizes are, I guess the, the caloric density of each one of those was not always relative. So the portion sizes looked out of whack a lot of times. And the only way I knew was if the dog started looking fat or thin, and then right. I had to, and then I had to like relegate that with how much they're working or how much they're not working. And it was just a, it was a, just an amount of work. I mean, we have forty runs at the kennel, and I have uh, anywhere from two to four personal dogs in my house all the time, and it was just a not a. Yeah, it had been not a good use of my time. I'll put it right. that way. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. You have to have somebody else doing it. Yeah, no. yeah, that's not me. So, um, how many different uh, uh, different foods do, does Kinetic have? Four. Four different. Ones. Well, and and we've got four different levels or four different octanes. So, um, but it, but the profile is the same. So it's a chicken meal, chicken byproduct meal, fish meal, and egg. So there's four different protein sources in the bag. So you'll see it with a lot of people that feed our food that the coats are really shiny. Mm-hmm. without them having to put fish oil in the food or on topping or that type thing. So just four different levels. And, uh, and typically what we can do, if you're having some of those issues, like the, like the coat issues or uh, loose stools, that type of thing, the dander that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, we, can, we can solve that issue. If we're going to be able to solve it, we can solve it within one bag. And wow. so, you know, within That's two to three down. weeks, you're going to see significant changes in your dog and and we've got a ton of you know uh testimonials on our website before and after pictures uh donnie meese the guy that Mm -hmm. we're here with uh uh he was having all kinds of problems with pedro and uh 
um, just by fluke, our warehouse is actually right down by the range where you guys were all at tomorrow. Um, and he kept driving by seeing the trailer sit there. We got a kind of a utility trailer that's wrapped that we take to a lot of shows. And one day he just stops and he goes, I, I, I've been waiting to find you guys down here. This is the first time I've seen you. We were getting ready to go to an event. And, uh, and I just said, Donnie, you know, he showed me Pedro. Uh, his coat looked horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it was washed out. It looked like somebody took his dog and threw a, a, a handful of flour on the dog. That's how dull the, the, the Pedro's coat was. Um, and I said, look, we'll give you a bag of food. We gave him one bag of food. And three weeks later, he said, I, I can't even believe it's the same dog. In fact, he brought it back and I, I couldn't hardly believe it. So yet the before and after pictures of what Pedro looked like uh, and then three weeks later, what he looked like were, were just simply amazing. Um, so on yours, like if, if people are living in an area and they got a working dog or so, okay, we'll do a hunting dog, for example. Okay. So, uh, like someone that's going to be out, like even horseback hunting or, 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 um, competition, you know, long distance bird hunting and things like that. Um, should those people switch octanes between seasons? Yeah, that's that's what we designed it for. So right now we're in the throes of our season. So we're looking at dogs. The reason that we designed it that way was so you'd feed the same volume of food, but the density, the caloric density changes significantly. So if I'm feeding a dog two cups of food a day or three cups, true cups of food a day, I just change the octane level. So I take them from the 26 during the off season when... You know, the hunting dogs are kenneled, and then I start working that dog a little bit. I can take him to the 30, feed him the same three cups of food, and the three of us are going to go to Montana and do some serious hunting for a week. I can take him to the 32, the same three cups of food a day. So it enables you to do that. So that's, yes, to answer your, I think I answered your yeah. question. So say that dog, say you got a guy that's just, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. Do, do you pick a mid-range for that guy, yeah. or is it 32 all year? No, I mean, it, we were talking a little bit earlier about Von Lake kennels. So mm-hmm. in, in the wintertime, um, we'll have kennels that'll go to the 32 because they're dealing with the environmentals. Okay, so yeah. you got a cold environment. you got the kennel stress. You're working these dogs when it's, you know, 10, 15, 20 degrees out. Um, so they'll go to the higher octane, if you will. Uh, and then in the summertime or coming out of the winter, they'll drop down to the 30. They, they, a lot of the bigger indoor kennels, I will say, uh, will stay around that 30 range. Um, I mean, we've got a, we've got a great partner, one of our pro staff folks down in, um, down in, uh, in Florida, they got a lab kennel and they feed 32 year round, which is Griffith retrievers. Great, mm-hmm. great couple. Um, you know, great, uh, great partner of ours and but they and and we kind of scratch our heads going i mean <laughs> what are they feeding you know the 32 down there to labs but they do very well on it and so you you have to know your dogs so are all four of them the same like cows or are they different amounts of like, yeah they per, they per change weight? they go from like 430 calories per cup up to like 480 490 so oh, okay. they, it's they not like a huge swing but i mean right yeah Right. So um, I have one more myth, but I the big hard thing for guys to understand. So if say they're they're feeding a food, 
and their four cups seems to be this magic number okay. for, for working dogs, for whatever reason. Four cups of food, four, four, five, some of them. How do you ease their fear when you say, listen, you only need three cups of this food? Yeah. It's hard for guys. It really is hard for them to understand. Well, listen, I, I mean, I want you to feed as much food as you can, especially <laughs> if you're feeding kinetic. But, right. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's, it's, it is tough. It's, it's, isn't it, that it part is of your, your thing is, listen, guys, you, you don't need, with kinetic, you only need, say, three. Right. If you, got a, if you got a 60-pound dog, and I'm talking about the, the, the average 60-pound, let's say it's a short hair, uh, a lab, you're not going to feed more than three cups of our food a day of the of the 26 or the 30. You know, you're going to find whatever works for you. And then and, and really what you got to think about, too, when you're when you're talking about a working and sporting dog, you know, this this became it started out as is. And I was being totally honest. I mean, we got we were hammered. And, yeah, you know, thought like we it. were just smart. That's probably how this podcast came about. Like, oh, that's, <laughs> so, that's definitely. But one of the things that, that we have the benefit of doing that a lot of your listeners don't is if we're out hunting tomorrow and my dog runs out of energy, you know, I'm going to pull him out of the field. I'm going to hydrate him. I'm going to kennel him. I'm going to put my gun away and I'm going to start drinking beer. The guys that I was watching today, they don't have that luxury. Right. Okay. Yeah. One of their dogs runs out of energy. Somebody's going to die. It could be, yeah. And that's when it got real for us. That's when we started looking at it going, you know what? We started this thing to to put the best food out there. And so one of the things that John and I did was, you know, we didn't start this to sell this company. We've had people come and say, yeah, we'll buy your company. And, you know, uh, we didn't start it to sell it. We have no desire to sell it. We We look at this as a legacy type thing where... Some of my, you met one of my son-in-laws. Yeah. Uh, they're getting involved in it, but we have a lock formula that doesn't change. So one of the things that's kind of neat about it is that once once we came out of our testing, okay, and we launched to the public, we've never had a price increase, and we've never changed one ingredient in that profile. So um, you know, it's and it's not. This is this is about the guys that were out in the field today. This is about those guys that you were putting through some really incredible stuff. And I travel all around the country, uh, you know, and I I've, I've stood in front of people in D.C. and, and given these talks. Guys that are working up in D.C. I've, I've been out in California and SoCal, um, you know, all, up and down the border, the whole bit. And um, you know, it's it's a different it's a different game. I mean, we're not we're not chasing these companion pet people. We feed a lot of companion pet, but you know what you guys do and put on the line every day. Um, you know, we 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 are committed to what you're doing. So, um, and that's that's how committed we are as far as making sure that we're making the best food and we're staying true to that because you've been there, you've seen the games that are played. They oh, go yeah. from a fifty pound bag to a forty two pound bag. But they don't lower the price or they say new and improved and they put peas and, you know, chickpeas and carrots. And Rachel Ray says, oh, you know, oh, here's, yeah. you know. So She's making a mint it just, on her food. A yeah, mint. A mint. On her dog food. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it with Come seaweed. On, I mean, what, what kind of freaking dog, you know, what, what wild species was eating seaweed back then? None that I like. Walruses. Walrus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely not so, dual purpose walruses, though. No. 
Yeah. But listen, you guys, you got Red. I do mean that. I've seen a lot of different scenarios, but but what you guys do with HRD K9 was it, it was phenomenal. And I got to tell you something. Some of the guys coming out of some of those things today were. A little yeah. wide-eyed every once in a while. There's, yeah. there's a couple of them that, uh, a couple of scenarios that cause some handlers yeah. to um, well, reevaluate. Their sphincters were puckered. Yeah, I like seeing the handlers come out of a scenario sweating. Yeah. yeah. Out of breath. One dude went and took, he was, I'm a fat kid, and he went and took all his shit off. Yeah. Back in a t-shirt. <laughs> I know who that was. Yeah, That's uh, We call him Cupcake. Yeah. But, uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. So um, the last myth that I want to uh, mention, and Maybe you know the answer or not. And I actually saw this couple eye-rolling comments on this online the other day. Is There, there has been a myth for years that veterinarians oh, get yeah, kickback yeah. for pushing certain brands of food. And the veterinarians deny that all the time. Right. However, um, true or not, all of the veterinarians that I have ever met that, that recommend a food, it's always the same food. Yep, me too. Always yeah. the same for working dogs. Always the same. Yeah, not the prescription food. It's a it's a regular brand, and they carry it. They have it, and um, so that's suspicious to people. Yeah, and yeah. Being in the industry, what is your? Well, I think anytime that you see consistencies across the number of vets or a number of packaging, you know, meet the number one ingredient. When ninety percent of the the companies are touting meat as the number one ingredient. You should probably you should probably take a deep breath, a slug of mm. beer, and go. Why are they doing that? Um, when you see vets continually promoting certain foods, um, and we see it all the time. I mean, I you know, vets are you know putting dogs on Apoquil, yeah, you know, yeah. and which has been proven to cause severe liver oh, yeah. damage. You know, so you kind of scratch your heads, and I, I guess I I don't want to I don't want to. I don't want to throw all vets. Yeah, right. it's definitely not all of them. But no. I will tell you this. I mean, don't look any more. You don't have to look any further away than the epidoid or the uh, uh, the crisis that we're having with opioids. Uh, opioids. Thank you. I don't. Yeah. Know, what did I say? Epioid. Yeah, something. Well, like that's that's a form of an opioid. Yeah. It's, <laughs> an it's Canadian opioid. It's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly. But you don't have to look a much further than that. A. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. So let's talk about uh, kinetic. Like, how do we how do we find it? Yeah, well, it's a great question, and I I will tell you this: we uh, I left the the training a little bit early today, and uh, when is this going to air? By the way, thirteenth, uh, yeah. of December. Yeah, 13th well, we got some really good stuff going on, and some exciting things with Tractor Supply. So uh, uh, I can't tell you more than that, but but uh, uh, stay tuned. But we are on uh, we are on Chewy.com. Uh, we do have a GSA contract, so we can do that. We can ship. Uh, I can drop a pallet anywhere in the lower 48, uh, right to a department um, for about 43.50 a bag, all in, uh, for a 35-pound bag. And a 35-pound bag will feed a 60-pound dog for about five weeks. So that gives you kind of an idea. But uh, there's a couple different ways. Um, if you go on to our website, you can put your zip code in which will tell you local dealers. Um, our distribution partner is Hubbard. So if you go to Hubbard, H-U-B-B-A-R-D.com, uh, or Hubbard Dealer Locator, you put your zip code in and it'll pull up there. So, um, 
you know, we're it. You, you got to be committed. I mean, one of the things that John and I, when we started a company, we said, you know what, we're going to do this out of our pocket. We're not going to go to a bank. We're not going to get a bunch of investors telling us, hey, you got to do this or you got to make the bag shorter, you know, take it from 35 to 30 and keep the same price. So um, or you can call us. You can do that. So if you have a if, if I have a <clears throat> excuse me, a larger kennel. We have a lot of listeners here yeah. that are owners of large kennels or employees that work at them. And they want you to come down and go look at what they got going on. Look at their dogs, like your relationship with Kenny and how, how that all started. Should they email you? How, what's the best yeah, way? They could, e- they could email Dave at kineticdogfood.com uh, or John at Kinetic Dog Food. Um, we do uh, nutritional seminars all over the, really all over the country and, uh, we've actually done them for DHS and TSA uh, in Hawaii, all over the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, California. And so, but yeah, we'd be more than willing to come down and take a look at the kennel and, um, you know, see if we can help you. Ted's afraid to ask, but if you go back to Hawaii, do you need a bellman? Do you need anybody to uh, carry your shit? Well, I'll go. <laughs> or Ray. Ray will go. Ray, yeah. wants, Ray wants a reason to go to Hawaii so bad. He's going to go to fucking Italy, though, on, like just on vacation. And he's like, like next oh, week. I need a reason to go to Hawaii. I'm like, just go. Well, I mean, like, you know, let's go. Let's <laughs> go. We'll yeah. go out there and, and what you, uh, like, what look at your bank account and go, yeah, what are you going to do? That's it. That's it. So any social media you want to plug? Well, it's kineticdogfood.com or www.kineticdogfood.com. On Facebook or Instagram, and we are on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Uh, I don't know about Instagram. I'm kind of a John. John kind of handles that side. John, you know, John. John, call in. Everyone's dial in. (laughs) John, tell Dave every once in a while. Like, yes, we have Instagram. Yeah, I think we might have Instagram. I'm not a hundred percent. I think we do actually. I don't remember. Yeah, I'll have to check. Yeah. So Ted, what else? Anything else? Uh, It's the last HRD of the year. So uh, we're. We're done. Next one's going to be uh, January, last week of January in Memphis. So, yeah, that, uh, I'm interested in that, man. I've never been to Memphis. Uh, I don't know anything about the dogs there, the program, the guys. I know nothing. So, I'm looking forward to it. And then, after hopefully, that, we have some listeners over there. Yeah. And after that, we're going to uh, February. We're going Delaware. To Dover, Delaware with Delaware State Police, uh, Nick Ronzo and those guys. Nick was one of our decoys up in Buffalo, um, and he didn't get that cold because he was in his bite suit the whole time. It was cold as shit. Yeah, like, yeah. It was terrible. Uh, but yeah, so we're filling up for HRD for 2020. I'm busy at the kennel. I got a bunch of dogs. I had to get back and help Scott track. So, yeah. Yeah. Patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. Yeah. Patreon.com. Yeah, we put a bunch of stuff up on there. Um, the episode that just aired before yeah. this one uh, was us talking to Ray, and we mentioned in there where... Um, uh, we talk about a bunch of the scenarios and our favorite scenarios. Uh, Ray, uh, Eric and I did a a full on like hour and forty minute private podcast for Patreon listeners for that outlines like how to set up all of these scenarios. That actually that we David just mentioned some of them too that he saw. He saw Black Hawk down, uh, which we don't talk about, uh, but he also saw um, Black Brown Hole and saw some of the others. We outline all those. Um, yep, every, that, so. all the way through how to yep. set them up, how to scale them. 
why we do it, what we do at patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. Oh, and we just had Kinetic Dog Food on Instagram. It is on there. There, there you go. go. Kinetic there Dog go. Food on yes. Instagram. Yes. Well, so, anyways, thanks, man. Thanks for hey, coming on, Dave. And thanks appreciate for having it. me, guys. Thanks I really for appreciate feeding it. Us. And, yes. Um, I think there's some bourbon upstairs. Yeah. Huh. Well, we're close to Kentucky, so. My dinner tonight was 97% meat. Yeah, so mine was I definitely right. hit that ingredient yeah, list. So you mine were, was, you mine were, was yeah, it was kinetic. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, so I was, it. Mine, mine was ninety-seven yeah. percent too. Most yeah, you had some liquid. Salad. So anyway, it's <laughs> salad. So <laughs> all right, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate right, it. Kinetic you. dog food. Yep. Later. Our very first sponsor, our most loyal guy, is Arno over at ALM Suits and Canine Equipment. I love his tugs, his suits, everything he's got going on. His hidden sleeve is legit. His trainer sleeves, all that stuff, man. We get a lot of stuff from Arno. When you call, he's the guy that answers the phone. He's a one-man operation, kicking ass over there. He's over in Vegas. If you're in town, hook him up and check him out. Ted, talk about his website and discount code. It's uh, ALM. K9, the letter K number nine, equipment.com. That's ALMK9 equipment.com. If you use the discount code WDR radio, it'll give you 10% off your first order as long as it's not a suit. He has, I just saw recently too that he's got those uh, super thin hidden Kevlar sleeves back in stock. Uh, those are the ones that Eric and I got as a prototype, and uh, we both love those things, and they've become kind of the go to thing for a lot of the hidden sleeve guys like PSA for the carjacking. And it's what we use for a lot of the scenarios you see where we use super thin equipment, we're rolling around and wrestling with handlers. But uh, keeps you protected, keeps the dog engaged, lasts for quite a while, fits well too. So almk9equipment.com. Yes, one of our very, very first sponsors of the podcast before we even recorded an episode is the guys out in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania at Bravo 3 and at Tripwire. Uh, we love those guys. They do a fantastic job of training the modern law enforcement and first responder. And that's what Bravo 3 is really all about. It's about an, a combination of SWAT, canine, Bomb EOD, fire, hazmat, TAC med, and SOF first responder guys. Everybody gets together to share information, so you've got a lot of people there that are really, really good at what they do, including Eric and I. We're going to be instructors. When is it, Eric? It is October 26th through the 29th in Gettysburg. You can sign up at bravo-3.com, www.bravo-3.com. Come see us, man. Come hang out. We'll have a good time. Yep. I want to take two seconds and talk about the entrance and exit music that everybody hears here, which is kind of an important part of the entire thing we do. The artist, Brother Deke, has been extremely gracious in letting us use this music, and I want everybody to go hit him up. And if he comes to town, go see him. Go buy his shirts and go buy his CDs. It's Brother Deke, D-E-G-E dot net. All of his new music's up there. You can get it on the same place that you're listening to this. You can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Google Play, or you can order it straight from his website. But go hit him up. He's a great dude, super gracious, and if you get a chance, go see him live. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.